0: Silent. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Anything you say can and will be used against you in a court of law. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you have a right to attorney prior to enduring during any question. You can't afford one, a court of one for you. You understand your rights?
1: Your crime's free, was over, son. Yeah, you thought you had it licked, but it ran over time.
0: Made you sugar turn to shit. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Get ready, you're gonna do time. Oh, oh, oh. Real life, real crime. Warning Each By the victims of the crime or the perpetrators who committed the crimes. My descriptions of the crime scenes are what I saw with my own two eyes. If you are going to get offended, turn this podcast off now. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Real Life, Real Crime, the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Woody Overton, and my co-host, Jim, the hitman, Rathman. What's up, Jim? What's going on, Woody? the
1: man. You under know the weather a little bit? A little bit. All the all the travel and um, I I'll just, I don't know, all the weather changes. Wasn't I wasn't going from Louisiana to Miami to Orlando, back to Louisiana. Yeah. It caught up
0: to me. It caught up to me right after the lives last weekend. But anyway, all right, well, um, we're going to do an episode today, y'all, and this is This will be the final episode of season three of real life, real crime, the podcast. And we love and appreciate each and every one of y'all. And we're going to get straight into the episode of the crew bash real quick. Y'all, you better get your tickets. There's not many left. And this is not something where we can slide you in the back door or whatever. The fire marshal is going to be there. It's a concert hall. Uh, it's, it's an awesome venue that's set up at, you know, the open floor in front of the stage. And then there's a balcony that wraps around up top. Uh, the service is going to be great. The music's going to be great afterwards. Jim and I are going to do a show. And I'm going to tell you right now, Jim, uh, you already know that this is an adult one. It's, it's a Valentine's Day themed. It is going to have more sex in, And adult stuff in it that it almost makes me blush with Jim and I have been uh, (laughs) preparing for it, but it's going to be descriptive. It's going to be crowd interactive. Uh, uh,
1: it's going to be amazing. So looking forward to it. Get your tickets, everybody. They're not going to last much longer. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's 35 bucks. I mean, uh, on eventbrite.com. And I promise you, there won't be any left until the end of the
1: week. So. Yeah, bring your credit card, your cash. There's going to be a couple of bars in there. You have music by Tom play. Um, they'll be playing for a couple hours after Woody and I. Right after we get off the stage, we'll uh, do a lot of meet and greets with everybody, take pictures. But we're going to have some drinks. We're going to cut it up. This is going to be a massive bash. Yeah. A lot to celebrate: over a million downloads, Woody's birthday, uh, one year for the podcast. Um, there's just there's a ton. So come out and have fun. But honestly, since last week, tickets just took off like a wildfire. Um, hopefully there'll be more. There'll be some available by the end of this weekend, but go on there and get them because it's it's not going to be much longer. Right. Right.
0: Y'all, the crew, uh, Orion's parade runs before the concert. So you get to go downtown and watch a parade if you want to and and stuff. It's just going to be a kick ass evening. Uh, and it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have, uh, the big drop backdrops. Set. i think we're gonna do three of them jim and, and uh for the crowd in in the back you know when we get done we take photos and uh, but fans can take photos in front of them by themselves but we're gonna be there yeah. the whole time hanging out pictures drinking dancing cutting up having a good time and, and the, yeah. the band's actually gonna play i think for like four hours uh, uh after we get done so i mean this is not going to be a a couple hour deal this is an all-nighter so and I know a lot of fans, Agreed. a lot of fans are staying downtown that are coming in from out of town and all that. So it'll be, be a lot of fun. So without further ado, let's get started on today's episode. Now, y'all, today's episode is, is, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's, it's just, I don't know about being
1: dumb, I guess. <laughs> what are we going to call it, Jim? You, you know, you sometimes you think you have the great idea, and then you realize your plan just sugar turned to shit. Yeah, this um, one for sure, right?
0: <laughs> what th- do you want to name it? What do you- let's say Young and Dumb. Young and Dumb, let's do it. All right. So, the y'all, um, the year was 2006. Jim and I were both detectives for the Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office, and it was the week mm-hmm. before Thanksgiving, and
1: that's that was the end. week week of Thanksgiving. It was the day before. Yeah, that's
0: right. Days oh. before Thanksgiving when it started, and, uh, the and it took place. <laughs> Listen to my bird outside. Back at the cabin it took place in the town of, uh, Springfield, Louisiana. Now let me tell them about it. I'll take a second because I spent so much time yeah, there. Springfield is on the east side of the parish. It borders the Tangipope parish line. Tangipope parish is the parish just east of Livingston. Now literally the, the town has one main road that runs through it, highway 22. Uh, well, 42 runs into 22, but it's still, it's just one road. One stoplight, uh, it has a police department, and it has a full-time chief, and and his name is Jimmy Jones, has been there as long as I've been in law enforcement probably. Um, the If you're coming into town, whichever way you come into town, if you're coming into town from Tangipo Parish, you cross the bridge, you cross the river, and you are literally at the stoplight, uh, on your right hand side was Hancock Bank, and directly across the street is the police department i mean I mean direct across the yep. street in front of you, and directly across the street the you if you're sitting in the Springfield Police Department and you walk out the door, you're looking at the Hancock bank, okay, so it's a small town <laughs> there's no houses in the town, like right there on main street i mean it's main street it it, it runs right through that's the only red light. The, it's miles and miles, like 10 miles from the interstate in any direction, at least. Um, you know, it's not something that you, a town where you want to go commit a crime and try to get away with it and, and skate to an interstate or something like that. The road, uh, 22 that runs out of it runs south down towards where I live. I always joke and say, I mean, how drunk did the person have to be to design this road? Because it's, you know, so curvy, and I'm talking like ninety degree turns, and you're not going very fast when you go out of there. Uh, right. The, I mean, it's just, it, but it really, it's just following the waterways. Uh, if you go the other direction, and, and we're 22 turns into 42, right there in front of the police station and by the bank. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah, it, you go up a couple of miles, you can take Highway 43 to the interstate, but it's still like probably 10 miles. And then if you go straight, it's just real rural in small town America. Um the high school's right there. I mean, yeah, the high school's right there across the street from the bank and the, and the and the police department. Um it's grown up a lot since then, Jim, now they got a dollar store now, um and all that, but the I spent so much time there when I was in uniform patrol and it would slow down. You know, I'd like to say that we hunted dope every night. We pretty much did every night when things slowed down. But sometimes you just got tired and wanted to take a break, but we'd always meet in the Hancock Bank parking lot. And you could always tell who the rookie cop was if several units went to meet. The rookie cop was the one who parked on the wrong side, like on the passenger side. Or like if Jim and I were going to meet, we would pull up. Drivers window to the driver window, but we would meet there sometimes. Jim um, and we would get out. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. We, you know, bored cops are probably dangerous cops, but we would get. I, I remember being there at like four o'clock in the morning. It's a Sunday night. Nobody wants to get in anything. You work the whole weekend and we would get out in a parking lot and unload our, our firearms and everybody checked each other's firearms, make sure they were unloaded. And then we'd line up in a line and have quick, twi- uh, quick draw contest <laughs> to see who could, who could draw the weapon the fastest. i am mean, serious, like old West shit. Right. And. uh, but it's just, you know, not a lot of traffic in the town, and and uh, everybody knows everybody, and that's the, the only bank in the town is that Hancock Bank.
1: Right, and I'm sure everybody's wondering right now, oh my God, in a parking lot drawing their weapons, but you know, it's 4 o'clock in the morning, and it builds muscle memory. Uh, oh, yeah, so It's yeah. actually yeah. a useful tool for those that are wondering. Oh, hell I mean, most, most cops walk around the house
0: doing it. Uh, yeah, that's true. And, hell, it was fun. And, I mean, it, it was bragging yeah. and Rice. But it's not like there was anybody. Exactly. Look, at 4 o'clock in the morning in Springfield, Louisiana, you could fire off 100 rounds and not hit anything living. All right? There's nothing. And let me tell you something. <laughs> we would stand in that park lot doing the quick draws. If somebody came through at that time in the morning, we bailed up you know jumped in our units when got them because they were hauling dope I mean they were you know they just there was no traffic right and and, and hardly any traffic during the daytime so but anyway it's right. a great town great people um you know we know the fire chief and the chief and all of them It just you know it's a great great place to to uh raise a family right. and stuff like that small town America so let's go back to it Give us the the name, Jim, of of our fine young man.
1: The fine young man who put this all together, this master plan, is Michael McCahill.
0: Okay, so what?
1: uh, Out of Hammond, Louisiana.
0: Yeah, uh, Tuttle Road in Hammond, Louisiana. Now, so, y'all, for him to get get away, you you can get to Hammond if you you, uh, take Highway 22, East in the Tangipo Parish, you have to go like 10 miles or more. And you'll come into Ponce, Tula, and then you'd have to take a left on Highway 51 or use the interstate to take a left to go to Hammond. But anyway, so uh, Mr. McCahill, right? Yeah, All right. yeah, Michael McCahill. He's 22 years old, and, and he decides he needs a loan. He needs some money, right? So he goes to... The Hancock Bank in Springfield, Louisiana. I think the Monday before Thanksgiving.
1: So, so he went in there to try to get a loan on Tuesday. Okay, Tuesday the twenty first. All right. So,
0: but let me tell you all this. When you walk into this bank, it's small. All right. I mean, there, there's only a couple of tellers, and then the bank manager, uh, or assistant manager that there's like two desks to the side and the that side that where their desk are literally you look out their window and you're looking at the police station so he goes in and you know how it is y'all when you go in to to apply for a loan at a bank you're gonna go in you're gonna sit down and fill out the paperwork and talk to the people and you know, you're there for you know. It's not a quick process, right? You're there for a while. They, they're you sitting there. They're talking to them. You go through your finances and the whole nine yards. So it's a couple hour process. And and Mr. McKayhill went through the process and spent the time with these people. And um ultimately, he was denied for the loan. Well, okay, so he leaves. And and. Now, look, this bank, this, this is, it isn't like the, the, uh, the bank in Albany, y'all, where, where I did the story on where the, where the cameras weren't working and all that. Uh, I mean, this bank had cameras working and, you know, again. It was completely up to date. Yeah, completely up to date. And it's across the street from the fucking police station. So he leaves and, uh, was it the,
1: the day before thanksgiving, so all right, so on the twenty first November, which is a Tuesday, right, so two days before Thanksgiving is when he went in there to try to get his loan now the the reasons he went in there to try to get a loan um he needed he had a couple of kids um he had you know was trying to have a stable job it wasn't working out for him. He went in to try to get a loan. He was denied that loan just like what he had said. So he left and he had a different plan. Now, when we say the police station is across the street, y'all, it might be forty yards. You, like you, it's that close.
0: You could throw a rock and hit it. Uh, you could throw a rock. And I mean, and knock somebody out. That's how close it is. Uh, yeah. You, you could throw a rock through the window from across the three street through the front station of the uh, window of the police station and knock out the secretary. That's how close it is, right? I mean, it's yeah, I man, it
1: is right right there yeah. um yeah. so he left he came up with his plan so how did we come involved with this well that on wednesday i actually was down a little bit further south of springfield i had uh, and i'll never forget it i there was a there was a death scene that i had to work and it ended up being a natural death the the uh the deceased in that one had been sick for quite some time and and family wanted checked up on it probably about a week later after he had already passed, so we were there, was there for a few hours, processed the whole scene like we always do, hey, and tell, we left.
0: Tell them about that uh, real quick, Jim, because the, I don't think, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I don't think people mm-hmm. get about how many death scenes would go out on and especially ones where people that uh, uh, have relatives that live out of town and and you have to go in. You know, right. And, and I, I, we've never told I, that story on Real Life of Crime. So,
1: uh, I mean, I, I, I would say on a typical work week, um, two or three. Right. I mean, I, it was, it was pretty common that you'd come across them because we're out there just to make sure nothing suspicious, even though the majority are all natural causes or, you know, some medical condition, things like that, or whether foul play involved. Um, obviously, those are a lot more rare, but we will go out anyway just to make sure. And since this person was found that way, came from out of town, uh, out of town family members calling. Um, and then they went and did what's called a welfare check. So they get there for the welfare check. They actually get inside, and lo and behold, uh, this person's deceased. So they'll dispatch us out. I end up getting sent out there. And so I worked it, didn't see anything, any foul play, whatnot. So after that was over with, um, I remember getting back in my my uh, detective unit, and I started driving, and I happened to be driving towards Springfield, I wasn't completely close to it, but I heard the call go out on the radio. And what I heard on the radio was actually the police chief from Springfield, it's Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones. Yeah. And what he ended up calling out was, he's like, bank robbery in progress. I'm in pursuit. And so I'm thinking, huh, is he talking about the Hancock Bank? Because I can't think of another one. That- right, right. <laughs> See, I it's mean, only one, literally, man. that's it's right there. So he's in pursuit. So naturally, you know, especially somebody like me who's full of adrenaline and whatnot, I want to get involved. So I start hauling ass to get, try to catch up to this thing. Um, and so the uniform patrol gets involved. The police chief is still chasing them and it goes towards Albany. And as Woody had said, Albany is on the other side of the interstate. Um, And that's where he ended up getting stopped. So after this car pursuit, you know, the winding roads and some straightaways. Obviously, he's a bank robber. He wants to get away. They were able to pin him in. And when they got him pinned in, they were trying to get him out of the vehicle. I start catching up. Right when I pulled up to the scene, they had gotten him out of the car. And they had him leaned over the front of his car. And he was driving a white I believe it was a neon. Nineteen ninety-five.
0: Nineteen ninety-five Dodge Neon. The speed, demon yeah. car, right? If you're gonna rob, you gonna rob a bank. I've at least stolen a car that could go over eighty miles an hour.
1: But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so he was in a in a in a, in a white neon, um, and so the first thing that I did when I walked up, they put the handcuffs on him as I walked them right over to a marked unit that had their video camera rolling. And before anybody said a word to him, I advised him of his rights right then and there before he said a word, before anything at all. And I, I got that out of the way. Then we start patting them down. And one of the things I remember, he had a pair of black sweatpants over the top of blue jeans. Then he had different shirts Uh, And he had a black sweater that you could actually zip up with a hoodie. And so he had clothes on top of clothes. And so why do they do that? I think we all know that sometimes you want to change your appearance to try to get away from your crime. So as you're running, pull off the sweatpants or you pull off the sweatshirt and you ditch it, throw in a dumpster, whatever they do. And now the police are looking for somebody in all black. And now all of a sudden you got a white shirt, blue jeans it doesn't necessarily fit the description. Maybe they'll blow right past you when they're trying to look for somebody. So that was his intended purpose. When I looked inside the vehicle, there was the bag that had a bunch of cash in it. Um, And so as we start photographing it, uh, put him in the back of the unit, uh, a marked patrol car and had them take him up to the Livingston Parish jail. So, now that we're getting ready to process his vehicle, this is where it gets interesting. Jimmy Jones, the police chief, comes up to me, and he says, Jim, I don't know if you know it, but he dropped something in the parking lot. Hey, and I'm
0: uh, thinking, okay, what did... No, no, go ahead, go
1: ahead.
0: Go, ahead. No, go ahead. I was just gonna tell him what, but you, you, you go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah. So
1: he goes ahead and he drops. You know he said he dropped something in the parking lot, and um the people at the bank are are, are calling about it and I'm like, well, what is it?" And he goes, "Well, uh, they're saying it's a bomb yeah. and I'm like, "Oh shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like that that changes the game right go ahead what let me back it up for him real quick,
0: and tell him what happened in the in the in the robbery. The, the uh, mm-hmm. they said what he he decides y'all on this date because he didn't get his twelve thousand dollar loan and he dressed up like Jim said and um he went into the to the bank and he had two plastic containers and he handed the teller a note it said uh and you correct me if I'm wrong Jim is, yeah I want twelve thousand dollars cash in uh give it to me and nobody will get hurt.
1: Yeah, he he actually had to know. Yeah, I actually said on there, I have a bomb.
0: Yeah, he um, says, I have a bomb. I have man. a bomb. Now, he had two plastic containers with some tape around them, and now bank employees are trained to do whatever you got to do to get, you know, don't resist, give them whatever they want just to get them out of the door, and then you lock your door and call. Right. So he comes in and does this and gets it. They, they get Now, I, I got to say something here. All right. If I'm going to rob a bank, just like the ones, the guys that hit the bank in Albany, and I don't know what to this day, why they had over $300,000 in that bank uh, uh, cash because nobody has a bank has that much money. But the I mean, I'm certainly going to ask for more than twelve thousand dollars. All right, I mean, I, I I don't get the thought process on that. Look, it doesn't matter if you rob him for a dollar or twelve million dollars. Your ass is going to prison for the same amount of time. I mean, it's just that's just stupid. That uh, uh, but he had had it on his mind that he wanted twelve grand, and and that you know give me twelve thousand dollars. I mean, what's your thought process on that, Jim? <laughs> I. I, I
1: if you're going to rob a bank, you know, make sure you can live off of it for a while. And I'm not saying to <laughs> advocate going out there and robbing a bank, but do something that isn't going to last very long. Hey, not a you, smart idea. You know, one of my friends
0: in the FBI told me, said, if there's one crime that he was gonna, ever going to commit, that one time that he knew he could get away with, a with high probability of getting away with, it would be a bank robbery. And, he, of course, he would have planned it better than Mr. Uh, McCahill did. You know, you want to rob a bank that's close to an interstate that has multiple getaway access points, and maybe the cameras are down. And you know, the, the armored truck just came and delivered a bunch of cash because it's Friday, and they're gonna be cash and checks and all this. Well, this guy did none of that. <laughs> he,
1: no, he not a single bit. But the
0: worst so, part is, he went in and spent hours with these people just a couple, two days prior filling out uh, uh putting his name all over loan applications and everything else and it's across the street from the police station so the, right. but what they did was so just real quick what they did was when he he gave them the note they gave him the money they did what they were trained to do they hit the alarm and they uh, you know they got jimmy on speed dial as soon as he went out the door they called jimmy well shit you can't make it out the door uh, to his his speed speedy getaway, you know, speed racer nineteen ninety five white Dodge Neon, and J- Jimmy's already got the call. And so Jimmy said he was literally he ran out the door, and the dude was pulling out of the parking lot. Now for him to pull out of the parking lot and go in the direction he went, he actually had to turn right in front of Jimmy. So it was no chance cat was getting away his, that Dodge Neon was not going to outrun that Crown Vic I'm sorry go ahead
1: right so to give everybody an idea of how this went down when he walked into the bank so obviously we're going to get the surveillance videos what he did is he took the hoodie and he put the black hoodie over his head he had on these dark bigger dark black sunglasses and he put those on so he almost looked like the Unabomber you know, photos that you would get, yeah. that you would see everywhere when they were trying to find him way back in the day. Right. And he walked in and went straight up to the teller, nobody in line, and he handed the note. And what he did is he had his bomb device in the left part of his sweater. So it, was, it wasn't it was zipped all the way up. It was about three quarters. So you could he could turn and kind of show by pulling that sweater a little bit from right to left and kind of opening it up and let her seeing that there's something there which is what he did. He handed her a note. She sees it. He turns, kind of shows her a little bit that he has a device. She then starts putting money into a bag, hands him the bag, and he walks out. Now, he parked his his neon right in that parking lot where he could just run in and run out. It wasn't like he pulled all the way into a parking spot. When he got out there to the parking lot, he took that device from the left part of his sweater and he dropped it right there in the parking lot. Well, according to the police chief, Jimmy Jones, that's actually the first thing he noticed. He's like, right. oh, this guy just dropped something. What, what is that? So that's why he was watching. Right. Then the guy comes pulling out and he makes right. Well, one of the bank employees came running out right behind and starts pointing to him, yelling out that he just robbed us. So clearly, Chief Jimmy Jones already knows what the hell's going on. He, he pretty much put it together at this point. Um, When the bank tellers come running out, he just put it in drive. Boom. So he makes his left, and now he's right behind the suspect, Michael McCahill, as he's heading, you know, and the pursuit begins from there. So, back to the scene where I'm at, Chief Jones starts explaining explaining that, you know, he left his device. Like, I saw him drop a device. So now, You know, you're like, oh, crap, because if it's a real bomb, we got a major issue on our hands. So I'd already snapped some photos. I've got other uniform patrol deputies are there, and I had them, you know, rope things off and just keep it where it's at. While I believe, I don't know if it was you or Calvin, uh, another detective came out to kind of process that. I had to go back to the bank. Yeah. And so I got in my unit. And I left the scene and I went back over to the bank and sure as shit, as soon as I pull up to the bank, which of course I didn't park in the parking lot, I kept far away and walked up. There was a device sitting in the parking lot. And when I first observed it, it looked like it definitely, it looked like it could be real. It had. So basically what he did is he did this. He took two large paintball containers. And if you play paintball, you can have, it was completely straight. It wasn't curved one. It was straight. It was a clear tube, and it was large. Um, and what he did is he poked some holes off of the top, and he had wires coming out of there. And then he filled the container with ended up being some sand and some uh, little pebbles to kind of give it um, some weight to it. And then he took electrical tape, and he used probably a couple of rolls worth of electrical tape to make it look like this black, big, bulky. So it had weight, you had wires, you had these containers and it looks like a bomb. Um, and so you immediately, I have to go into the number one thing to do as a first responder, as a law enforcement is protect the people. So I now go into my, my military mind kicks in and I'm like yelling for people to get the hell away. And so I'm asking for additional units to come to the bank area to start knocking on doors, um, places of business and evacuating people from everywhere. Because the rule of thumb is if you can see it, it can see you. Right. Well,
0: the main thing too, right there, the main thing too, I remember is you're right there at that intersection. So you had the roads had to be shut down coming in from Tangipo Parish, coming back from the Albany Way. You know, the schools across the street, I think they were out for the holidays, but, the, uh, I mean, you got to cordon off the whole thing. Like you said, if you can see it, you know, it can kill you.
1: Absolutely. So that's always the rule of thumb. If you can see it, it can see you, and you got to get away. So we spend our time evacuating everybody out of the area, roping things off. Of course, now there's a traffic nightmare Helicopters are starting to <laughs> come overhead because obviously bank robber, um, you know, it's a good news story, right? So they're out and about. Um, but now you have this bomb device sitting in this parking lot. And so what do you do? I mean, you can't go up and touch it. You can't get close enough to it and have your radio go off because you don't know if the radio frequency is going to set it off. You have no idea to determine if it's real or not. Yeah. of course you could go ask the suspect but are you really going to believe a guy that just robbed the bank he's going to tell you if it's real or fake right he could tell you it's he could tell you it's fake ends up being real and taking out all kinds of people right. so you can't necessarily trust what his opinion is so you have to treat it like it is completely real and it's about to go off at any moment so now we notify the state police and they have a bomb squad unit yeah, um, yeah. in addition to that you're going to notify the bomb squad well guess who else is coming out FBI, ATF, they're not messing around. Right. So, of course, nothing ever happens quick, just like when we call crime labs. They've got to get their gear. They've got to be briefed. They're going to do their due diligence and get their atmospherics of where the location is, what's around it. They have to be able to approach this device in a safe manner, dispose of it in a safe manner, And they need to be able to protect themselves. I mean, you're talking about a bomb, right? So, um, there's a lot that goes into it.
0: I want to let me tell you you real quick. What's that? Those guys that the on the bomb squad for the state police. My my office was on the uh, second story, uh, state police headquarters when I was there, and they were right. I mean, like right down the hall from me. So, I'm good friends with them, uh, uh, and they know what the hell they're doing. Uh, um, The main one last name was Poe. POE and they actually have a training facility up north of here, right about four miles from where I'm sitting right now, where they train with all the live explosives and blowing it up. But they, when they come, they come correct. They come with, you know, all the equipment mm-hmm. and the, and the, the bomb truck thing where they can blow it up inside the whole nine yards, uh, you know, set it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. But go ahead. Go ahead.
1: They, yeah. So they, they come fully equipped, but it takes hours. Oh, yeah. So at this point, after we got everybody evacuated, they've been notified. You're just waiting, and you're waiting, and you're waiting.
0: And the whole and town shut down. Yeah.
1: Uh, they start showing up. And so who's the person they're going to talk to? They're going to talk to me, and they're going to talk to the police chief to see what he saw. So I start giving them information. I give them background information. I, if I remember correctly, they sent somebody to go talk to uh, Hill over at the, just to find out about the bomb itself. Um, but they start working their scene, okay? Um, so you're talking from the time that this, he did this robbery until they were out there. I mean, we're, it's, it's a couple hours. Uh, b- before they're taking action anyway. Um, I remember talking to the FBI agent that had, came all the way from New Orleans. Right. Okay. Um, it, it was like and, it was it was like it was like four or five hours before
0: Poe and then got there. Yeah. I mean and this was Correct. I mean, it was a long, long
1: time. Yeah, very long time. So I'm not gonna say exactly what it is that they do because I don't wanna give away something that they do that I mean when we're talking about bombs here, people uh, this could hurt any everybody and anybody. So I mean, I know the process that they took. I'm going to explain the best I can without giving away their secrets or tips, okay? So, um, you know, once I was able to give the FBI and the bomb squad the state police the information, they then start coming up with their tactical plan. So any photos and videos that we have at that point, we would show them. Um, the description of the device and at that point now the scene is theirs so even I'm just in the background watching and waiting because I can't go into the actual bank yet right the notes still in there the videos are still in there Um, that the bank is completely empty but we can't go in it was left exactly how it was so they go ahead and um, you know they have their their devices that they'll use to go capture images so they can get a good plan of what they're going to do next so after they've assessed and i do mean everything they came up with their plan of what they're going to do so they put that plan into action they went and let's just i just i think woody just for safety reasons and just we don't want to give away their tactics they dispose of the bomb correctly okay they got it they dissected it Whatever. The, let, the scene is now... Let, let, me, let, me, say, let me say this.
0: The, 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 it's not about giving away police tactics. There's not a person in the United States of America who hasn't seen a movie where or somebody had a bomb or whatever or hadn't seen it on the news. I mean, they show it on the news, what they do. Once they recover... The device had, uh, uh, in, if it's still suspect or whatever they put it in the container and they self detonate it to blow it up to see if it's real or not that's not giving away police tactics I mean that's just common knowledge uh, and, and so that's what was done
1: right so the scene is now safe we go back on finally all that traffic um, you know starts moving again I go into the bank and the note is still right there on the counter where he put it down at. So I get pictures of it, um, start working the surveillance video. I get the surveillance video of him pulling into the bank, walking into the bank, handing the teller the note, showing the device, him going back out of the bank, dropping the device in the parking lot, getting in his super hot ride that he had, uh, you know, try to get away from police, He made his right. We got video of that. We have him leaving the building. But more importantly, we have the police chief across the street also who was in his car, not only was already in his car when he pulled up to go into the bank, but then when he came out. And so then you see the police chief, Jimmy Jones, chase right after him. And uh, the pursuit goes on from there. So, you know, whenever there's a, a, you know, the bank robber, we need to find out. uh, We interview the bank tellers, the manager. Um, we get all the information that we can from the scene, uh, fingerprinting if we need to um, you know, we have all the video surveillance. we have all we have the photos, we have the note. We collect everything, y'all you know, we'll put it in bags, we'll you know fingerprint analysis. I mean, you name it, we'll do it. Um, so we processed everything inside that bank, but also we needed to know how much money was was uh, that he got away with how much was given. And he actually had a little over $10,000 is what he ended up having in cash, which we recovered. So, what do you do at this point? Uh, the day's over with. So, you know, those bank employees are going to be coming back to work, right? The bank's pretty much shut down for the day. Um, and it's the day before Thanksgiving. So, you know, we will provide some sort of counselors or assistance if they needed, like a victim's awareness. Um, you know, for the tellers that could be shooken up about it. I head back now to the jail because now that the, the money has been recollected, has been collected. Um, the photographs have been taken. The vehicle has been towed. Um, and it's at a lot for, you know, for the crime scene to work on. Everything has, is going into its plan. And I finally get to the bank to sit down and talk to him. And what do meets me over there along with state police, bomb squad, FBI, ATF. (laughs) So there's all of us over there, get him into this room. And again, you know, we buy some of those rights and that's when he starts breaking down of exactly why he put his plan in motion. Um, Woody, do you have anything you want to add at this point?
0: No, I just, you know, that, uh, it's just amazing that the, y'all, you hear us talk about the two different types of criminals, you know, the, um, and that prisons are full of dummies, right? And and I mean Jimmy was sitting. And a lot of times Jimmy would sit right there in the parking lot. It's a really small parking lot to uh, for the police station. And, and a matter of fact, the cars have to. You can park only like four vehicles there, and they have to be parked at a diagonal – uh at an angle. <coughs> it's a, excuse me. To stop from blocking the front door. And a lot of times Jimmy would sit there and, and I mean, cause that's the main intersection, the stoplights right there. And he would just sit there and, and watch the school zone or, or of course school wasn't in that day. But I mean, he was sitting in his car. I mean, don't you think if I'm going to rob a bank across from the police station, I am I might, I might have at least gone and disabled the police car, slit, slit their tires <laughs> or done something, but I damn sure would make sure. They weren't sitting in the vehicle when I went in the bank. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So <clears throat> I finally get a chance to actually talk to um to Michael and say so we advised him of his rights and just gave him his opportunity. And I will tell you that he he at least he wasn't lying about it. Um he said openly from the beginning that he had gone in there originally to get a loan and he tried convincing the loan officer to give him the loan as he kept saying he needed it for his children but he got denied and he said one way or another he needed that money so when he left the bank you know he looked around and he didn't he thought that it was a bank that he could probably get away with this at which never factored the police station across the street yeah, but and he went a, home that night I'm sorry yeah. go ahead
0: Woody. yeah the police station across the street one road through town and it's just it I, about a mile from the interstate no 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 it's a lot further than a mile it's, oh, Yeah, it's you're like right. 10 you're miles right. you're to right. interstate you're 55 right. and if you go if you go to 12 through Albany it's further than that and and, and I mean the, there's no way to get away uh uh if you went south, he had the curvy road that you came up. If he continued to go west on, on 42, I mean, that, that runs parallel with the interstate, but there's, there's no roads that go off of it till you get to 444. Then I mean, there's just no way, right. no way the dude was getting away. He took the right on 42 going towards <laughs> Albany towards the interstate, but he was still a long ways away.
1: I mean, just, yeah no, you're right about it, that. I was thinking of horseshoe, which which is yeah. south of the uh, yeah it is much further south than that, yeah but uh, he just you're right he,
0: he he didn't plan anything out but go ahead, you, you, go ahead, you were saying he he said that
1: he could he thought he could get away with it, so he thought he could get away with it, and so when he was sitting at home that evening he was denied, he came up with the plan of robbing the bank. So he went and grabbed a couple of paintball tubes that his kids had, and that's where he decided that, well, I'm going to try to do the best I can to make this look like bomb. So he went and grabbed some sand from outside and some little pebbles and, you know, just punched out a couple of holes at the top of the tubes uh, on the container there. and He cut up some wires that he had and he put the wires in there and he ended up rigging it all together, twisted the wires, just made it all look real, and then he Bought, put a bunch of tape around it to make it look bulky and to look like an actual bomb, so then he went and he put that inside of the uh the neon and he waited till the next day. so the next day comes around kids are off, and he goes ahead and leaves his house with a pair of jeans on and his you know shirts and but he already had the black sweatpants and the black hoodie sweater inside the the neon and he leaves he actually thought about it for a little bit to make sure that this is what he was going to do and then he decided well I'm going to put my plan into action so he went ahead and um, right there in the car he slipped he slipped the sweatpants on over the even over the shoes he put the sweatpants on threw the sweatshirt over the top put on his sunglasses when he Pulled into the parking lot. He took the device, stuffed it into the left part of his sweater, had it zipped up just enough so it wouldn't fall out, put on his shades, and boom. He had his note that he had already written up, and he walked right up to the teller, handed her the note. And he said the teller didn't even have to say anything to me. She just put the money in the bag. She gave it to me, and I took off. And he said that when he got outside, he dropped the device in the parking lot on purpose because he felt that nobody would chase him if they knew that that device would just hold everybody in their position and that he could give him enough time to get away. So that was a planned thing. Um, you know, it wasn't like it just ran out, like he was running out and it just popped on out of there. He purposely dropped that. So after he dropped it and then he got in and the police pursuit was on, um he knew he was screwed um so but he wanted to get away eventually got cornered in and then he just went into apologizing he didn't mean to hurt anybody he didn't want that he just wanted money for his children and that's all that he wanted um he didn't lie about it he just flat out i'm sorry um uh, at, least, at least he was an honest criminal, right? I mean, he wouldn't have been the smartest, but at least he was honest.
0: Well, he spent, he, spent, you say, what? he spent much more time planning or making the fake bomb than he did planning the bank robbery. I mean, he's just a fucking dumbass, is what I say. And you can use the yeah. excuse about your kids and shit. He's a, he's a dumbass. And, uh, you know, I hope his kids don't grow up to be a dumbass like him. Uh, the, uh, but like I said, prisons are full of dumb criminals. Y'all, yeah, I have a photographic memory. And, and like I said, I spent so many nights in, in that town, in that bank parking lot. It's the absolute worst bank to rob in the United States of America. And, and then, then just yep. to roll up and not even see what the, you know, the police are doing that they're sitting there watching. Literally watching, uh, uh, watching the intersection in the bank parking lot. I mean, it just amazes me how dumb some people are. I mean, even if you factor in the fact that he's 22 years old, the I don't see his IQ getting that much higher. I mean, and he's a hell of a lot older now. It's 14 years later, so he's uh, 32, 36 years old in prison. And I'm sure he's still being stupid today. And don't feel sorry. I mean, when don't, you don't. when you use a, a
1: 95 Plymouth Neon, that was the first indicator, yeah, right? And, and not real. Oh, and oh, oh, and I did, and I did ask him this. I did ask him if he ever realized if the police department was across the street. Do you know what? No shit. He actually stated that he had no idea. That the Springfield Police Department was across the street He did not know that the police chief was sitting in there. When he pulled in, he was so focused on the bank on the other side of the street that he never bothered to literally turn, look, and go, hey, look, there's a police car and a police station. Well, the never thing, the his thing
0: is— it says Springfield Police Department. And it even has a hanging sign that says Springfield Police Department. And there's no vehicles that park in that parking lot. But I, I could say it's a parking lot. Literally, you can park two cars di- diagonally at an angle on each side of that parking lot. And they're police vehicles. And they they had at least two units at, at all time because uh, a lot of times at nighttime they had uh, – a uh, a, a guy that would stay out. And so they had at least two, two officers. Now, Jimmy had a take home unit, but the rest of them had to share the unit. So it was always a unit there, the, which goes back to my point. Of he spent much more time in making his dumbass paintball bomb than he did thinking about committing the crime. I mean, if I'm going to commit the crime, I'm going to know, you know, Every building that's around it, every road to get away, everything else is so just a just a dumbass. Yeah, uh, uh, and
1: it didn't do a real good reconnaissance on that one.
0: Yeah, and I mean you can't miss <laughs> it. There, 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 you, there's an abandoned building directly across the street with no sign on it, and there's nothing to to the left of it. That, uh, there's a, there's a road that runs off into the bottom down and in, and in, into the hood down there, but the the uh, that's it. I mean, and it's two-lane road, red lights right there. It's the police station and the bank and the school across the street. Yep.
1: Right. So. Yep. Yeah. So and, we went through the rest of the, the process. You know, he, he uh, you know, has his arraignment, pleads not guilty, just so they can hear what they've got. Uh, at the end of the day, as it goes through, you know, the pleading, uh, pleading out, pleading guilty. Um, and he's still still sitting in jail. He's yeah. got a lot of time for that. Yeah, and he caught he caught more than
0: than just the uh, uh, the bank robbery charges. He caught like you know they charged him with a lot of stuff. The bomb took it to a whole new level, and then leaving the
1: bomb, ter- ter- I terror- got him with
0: a terrori- That's terrorism like ter- charge. terrorism charge for, leaving. for terrorizing. Right, leaving the bomb and and all that, and the feds love to pick up a slam dunk case like that. And, and so, but it doesn't matter that uh, for those of you leading heart liberals out there who uh, felt bad when he said he needed money for his kids. You're not talking about somebody who needed money to feed his kids. Okay. He has paintball guns. He has, you know, all this, uh, all the you know, toys and shit that, uh, I mean, paintball guns are expensive, right? And, he, and I mean, he wanted 12. He had a
1: substance 000. abuse problem.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. He was full of shit. I mean, he didn't need money for his kids. That's what, I mean, he, he was doing. He's minimizing his, his stupidity or trying to put, you know, pulling heartstrings or whatever. That was a crock of shit. He went mm-hmm. to get money to get high. It's the holidays and yeah. the, you know, why you would drive way out to Springfield to try to get a bank loan when you live in Hammond, and Hammond's a, a, is a big city, y'all, uh, uh by Louisiana standards, and it has about fifty banks in it, right? So it's not next door. <laughs> it's just a dumbass, man. Just a duck. The that's why the criminal mind always fascinates me and, and I I love catching what I call the good bank. Good bad guys, which are the ones that are hard to catch. But then you just run across a few turds every once in a while, like this guy. Uh, I mean, just the only thing he did, his real biggest crime, honestly, cause he was never going to get away with this was fucking up everybody's day and evening and, and shutting down. Uh, you know, that's a, that even though it's a small town, that's the only road in, into, Livingston Parish from Tangipahoa from there. A lot of people work in Hammond and or New Orleans and, and commute back and forth. And, you know, you got people. It, you, I could, if I had gone that way, I couldn't have got to my house, which is about 15 miles south of there, uh, because that's the only road that runs down through the south in the Livingston Parish, Highway 22. The, and, and so that's, I mean, it's, it just fucked up everybody's day. In, including his and, and you know,
1: well, mine too. Cause uh, my father came to town that Tuesday yeah, and that always I was only going 70%. to work half day. <laughs> always happens.
0: Always happens. A guarantee when you're a detective, if, if it's a holiday or if it's your, <laughs> if, you, if you, if it's your birthday or your wife or your kid's birthday or it's Christmas or you got something important to do uh, and you're going to try to squeeze it in. No, the the body's going to hit the ground somewhere. The blood's (laughs) going to spurt or some asshole like this is just really going to screw it up. And this is like, this, it, it it takes much longer to work a bank robbery with a bomb than it does. You could have worked three homicides (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in the time it took to work this case the, uh, because everybody has to get involved. Uh, exactly, and then, and then it's a it's not a pissing contest, but it's whose balls are bigger and who has authority. And, you know, let's show them we can do this job better than them. And, I mean, it's a whole lot of shit that goes into it. But, it, I mean. Yeah, end, it becomes a turf war. Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, I mean, that goes all the way from Jimmy. All the way up, the. I know Jimmy, I mean, he's like, he's like, okay, let them handle it. I'm, I'm totally cool with that, right? And then, you know, that Jim, that, that bank has been robbed several times since Jimmy's been chief. And, uh, uh, and I, I, I to this day, I'll never understand why somebody robs that bank when it's directly across the street from the police department. So we'll have to get Jimmy on one day and tell us some of the other stories, the, the dumbasses that out of yeah. the bank. And none of them have ever gotten yep. away. None of them. Uh,
1: uh, but. Anyway. Yeah, needless to say, y'all, I got home super late that night. I was supposed to be a half day, but my father's very cool and he completely understands. But the, uh, you know, like Woody said, whenever you try, the holidays, whenever you try to get that little time off, something's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, it, and it's a story we'll touch on another time. But that following month, same thing, my dad came to town and I ended up working this really bad sex crimes case over the entire holiday season yeah. uh, over that Christmas vacation time. Um, but we'll cut, touch base on that at another uh, on another episode. That's probably going to be more than one episode. <clears throat> but yeah. It <laughs> Never fails.
0: Never fails. Guaranteed. The, uh, just amazing. But so, y'all a little bit different, uh, you know not not a bloody murder or or a rape story, or whatever. But every once in a while, we like to change it up to you know give you the full spectrum of the uh, of the criminal mind from the geniuses to the dumbasses. And this guy's just bloody a, real life, yeah, real, real crime, real life, real crime. Then just just one. That, Young and dumb. We probably should change the title from that because I, you can't even really blame it on just being young. He's just dumb, but, uh, dumb, dumb, dumb. And yeah, that's what we should have called it. Dumb, dumb. Uh, uh anyway, y'all that hope you enjoyed the episode. This is the end of season three. We have a lot of exciting things, uh, um, coming up for real life, real crime, including we have. Professional. I know we've improved audio and stuff a lot, but we have some professional stuff coming. Uh, you want to touch on it, Jim?
1: Say that again, buddy. We have so do, do we that?
0: we have. This is in the season three. We have obviously yeah. improved our audio, but we have some professional stuff coming.
1: Uh, we do season four, and I wanted you to touch on that for a second we do yeah so you know we created the youtube channel but we want it to be right so you guys can actually see woody and i as we actually record live well, you know, dogs you're hearing in the background um, but <clears> hey <throat> unedited sorry but uh, you'll be able to chirping. you'll actually be able to see us what's that
0: i see i got birds chirping outside my window and <laughs> you dogs barking i'm watching a duck dive but, in right now <laughs> <laughs>
1: But yeah, you'll you'll be able to actually see us. So we'll we'll put it up on YouTube. You can actually see Woody and I recording. You can actually see our faces. Um, and we'll it's a new approach to it. Uh, remember, hey, we have our Instagram channels. Our uh, Instagram follow us on there. Overton or oh, sorry, Overton Woody Jim underscore Rathman and Real Life Real Crime. Those are the three Instagrams. Follow us there. Uh, our Real Life Real Crime YouTube channel. We also have our Facebook page. The crew page has been growing like crazy. Um, I'm Just so many great things happening, but you're going to have professional studio-like um, episodes right. coming up here season four. Uh, so right. it's definitely something to look forward to. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, go ahead and do it, um, and we're going to get hot to try it on this. Let
0: me throw this out there too. Todd Delaney, who's the, the manager of KSLU Radio at Southeastern, Um, I didn't get to tell you this yet, Jim, but he, he emailed me, uh, or a video from the, uh, the lives that we did in the, I I got it late last night. I couldn't get everything to download, but he also teaches, uh, uh, you know, this part, he teaches a podcast class at Southeastern. He is hooking Jim and I up, not a, we have somebody else that's hooking us up with the video in, but he's hooking us up with the audio system where we no longer have to do it like we're doing, uh, uh which is I'll be honest with y'all Jim's on his cell phone and I'm playing them through my Alexa into now our roadcaster or, you know, where I'm recording one is nice, but we're up in our game people and, and patron members that, uh, that's a you know, huge part of what, you know, your donations go to is, 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 uh, we're always trying to improve even though we are raw and unscripted and we're not the big production companies and all that We're the the season four is going to be better the the videos if you want to watch it live we're going to go live before we do the videos so everybody we can say hi to everybody and you know chat back and forth like a dark poutine one of our good friends shows in canada they do that they'll spend like 30 or 40 minutes chatting with the fans and um before they before they do the recording, then they turn that off except for their patron members, and then the patron members get to watch the actual live recording of, of the episode, uh and all that. So we're we're improving and it's gonna be a whole different level. Now one of the reasons why is again because of the patron support that y'all you know we we have a lot of uh and we love all our fans and, and, and regardless whether or not you be a patron member or not, but patron members, I just want you to know that the, we're taking it up a notch and, uh, the, you know, in the future when we have commercials and we're going to have to do that because our numbers are so high now and, and we have, you know, full-time jobs and we need to support our families and stuff like that. Hey, it just hosts in the podcast itself. I mean, that we have monthly fees and all this stuff, but, Patron members, you'll any episodes in the future that have commercials on it, you'll get it uh, commercial free and, uh, and, and all that. So, but it's just a lot of exciting stuff. Got to give a shout out to Buddy's Barbecue in Denham Springs, Louisiana. These people hooked us up for the lives they uh, Saturday night for the lives they they fed Gemini and. I and Everybody that was working with us on the lives, including, including uh, Kelly Jennings uh, with the Livingston Parish Livingston Technology Center, Kim Alban, the principal, um, our Darren Sibley. Thanks, Darren. Darren uh, provided security for Gemini. And um, my boy, Dan. Yeah. And then, um, you know, my wife and, and some lifers that we had there helping with tickets and merchandise and stuff like that.
1: Crystal Hardison.
0: A, a Crystal Hardison, my dear sweet lady from, uh, Southeastern. And so the Buddy's barbecue stepped up and hooked us up. And look, they didn't, they didn't go half ass. I mean, they really, it was, it was a big plate with a bunch of, uh, awesome sliced smoked Smoked uh brisket, jeez, it was delicious mm-hmm. what did you know and then a big pile of sausage they they make their own sausage and and smoke their own sausage and and then it had uh some, some of the best baked beans I've had and in the baked beans was actual uh, pieces of brisket and then a big thing potato salad and then they, they must have brought us 20 boxes so I mean really appreciate that. Them they
1: hooked it up. Thank you guys so very they, much they, for doing they, that.
0: They they asked they asked could they do it and they, and they didn't ask for a shout out or anything like that. But I'm telling you, if you're in Denver Springs, you want some good barbecue, you go there and 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 they're awesome. And I, Jim, the next time you're in town, we got to go in and sit in and and uh, you know have a have a chat with them and maybe go live with them and and pump them up. So, but they hooked us up. You can do it next week. Uh, yeah. And then, um, what else? Oh, I, I want to talk real quick. The, the Yolanda reason is a, as a lifer and out of a bull's parish and Jim, uh, she, she didn't get to go to last cause she didn't get a ticket, but you, you got to meet her
1: before the last cause she came to, I did to, to walk on. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. She came to walk on with her family and, Took some photos
0: and signed some stuff with them. They're very sweet. She's career law enforcement, y'all. Yeah. She, uh, her husband was career law enforcement. She, she, uh, does 911 dispatch stuff. Also career sweet, sweet, sweetheart heart of a lady. But what you don't know is she's been working behind the scenes to get us a show and help me find a location in, in Marksville for us to do another live. Just, uh, just a hard fan was she messaged him and I the other day and and asked, could she get a ta- RLRC tattoo with her emblem on it? And I'm like, shit, hell yeah, do it. it she got it and in it is amazing, dude. I'm going to get one. I'm going to that guy. Let me look it up real quick. Uh,
1: did you see it, Jim? I did. She sent me some photos of it. Um, they did a, did a fantastic job on that.
0: The, uh, Looked really good. The, 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 uh, the, the guy also does this like 3D butterfly. And a bunch of that was Courtney Coco's thing was a butterfly. And uh, they're going to, a bunch of them are going to go get this tattooed on But it's, so it's Roldan's, R O L D A N, posh V S, tattoos and body pierce. And it's in Rapids Parish. I think y'all, it's, uh, it's in uh, Pineville, Louisiana. 5129, Louisiana, Highway 28, Pineville, Louisiana. Dude, amazing. And Yolanda, we love you. I just thought it'd be fun to give her a shout out. I mean, the, uh, we got the best fans in the world. And y'all the, at the lives, we had fans come in from, uh, one elderly couple. I'm going to say elderly. They're older than me. And I guess I'm, I'm about to be 50. So, but they, they drove eight hours from Jacksonville, Florida to, just to see our show we had uh yep. another. we had a sweet
1: lady thursday night she drove in from memphis north, north of
0: memphis like an hour north of
1: memphis. north of memphis Shit, that's a ride Hoss. we had yeah. a
0: sweet lady from mississippi she
1: came in super sweet we,
0: we had tons um, of fans we had some came, came in from dallas that's a, that's a solid nine hour drive the uh We had a bunch of them from Houston, every night from Houston, south of Houston. We had San Antonio, Austin, uh, to come in just to hear Jim and I do our thing. And, and so Jordan, her friends from, from
1: Houston. That was super cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, the, just, it was awesome event. And we want to thank the, uh, Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center again in Southeastern and KSLU radio. Um, what, what? I had one. Oh, we got to talk about it, Jim. Uh, we got to do something. We, we got on. We did a lot of interviews last week. Of uh, course, our morning advocate interview came out. Y'all know about that. We went, it, it got picked up by the APY. We went nationwide, which was awesome. Uh, Brian Haldane, who's, uh, has an awesome, the, the top rated talk radio show in the mornings in Baton Rouge. Jim got in contact with him. He was reading all the morning advocate article the next morning and was just talking about us on the air. Jim called him and we went in uh yesterday and did a did a on air interview with him, which was awesome so thanks, Brian. We appreciate that
1: and then y'all yeah, tune into the show if you don't listen one oh seven point three talk I believe you can starts the show at six a m um but he's a hell of a guy uh I mean, he was just great to talk with, hang out with really, really, really nice man. He's going to come to one of our lives here in the near future. Super pumped up about that. We're going to take care of him.
0: Yeah. And his show is really interesting. I mean, it's not like the old ones where they get stuck on one topic. He's he rolls people in and out, right. From all, all, uh, different topics. So, but the really interesting show and, um, who else is going to, I'm going to thank Jim that, uh, Oh, so the we we did last week, we did the uh, podcast for the Livingston Parish News and and, in David McHugh, great guy. Jim and I did that, and that that was on one of the days of the last, wasn't it, Jim? On Friday, I think. Friday. And then Friday. uh, So that was awesome. This is what I want to talk about. On that uh, interview, we uh, Jim, Jim gave the information for Lopa, and we will do that again. In just a second, but we the look, y'all. The Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center is setting the their students up for lives. They they like the criminal justice students when they graduate, they're nine one one certified, and you know they they're post certified in the firearms part of the police course. And just though it is so much more than that, they have the mechanics division, and they have the they even have a war, a full ambulance and stuff like that. But the what they're trying to do is get one thousand donors to sign up by the end of the school year uh, um, to save lives. Mm-hmm. And and we right, they threw down the gauntlet that we were going to help them get that. And and then I, I said, you know what? With all our fans, we can get double that, and we can y'all. You know? yeah. and, and 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 so we're going to do something. Um, I, I got, it's going to be something impromptu next weekend where, uh, I have to get with Kelly Jennings on it and, and Lori Steele, who works for the, uh, Livingston Parish Sheriff's Office. She's involved with her on that. But the, um, we're going to do something, y'all, but maybe announce an afternoon, uh, uh, like a four hour deal from meet and greet somewhere local. Where you can come out and the only thing it's gonna cost it is is for you to sign up at the table right there. Become to be, a donor. To become a donor. And so let, let's get them their, their numbers. Jim, give them the information.
1: So if for you're talking about for the where to go to download so yeah, or to register? Yeah,
0: for LOPA. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so you go to uh, lopaorg L O P A dot org backslash L. TC. And when you go on there, there's actually different drop down menus. If you're out of town, there's a drop down menu for you on that. Uh, out um, of state. Out of state also. For out of state, excuse me. Out of state. For if you're out of state, there's a drop down for it. And if you're in state, there's a drop down as well. And it's the criminal justice students. Right. Got to make sure you get that on your drop down. It's incredibly important that you do that. That way they counts towards their numbers for their goal. So, let me tell you, um, this Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center, I have a a bunch of love for them over there because they are doing things. So they're setting kids up. When you graduate, when you're 19 years old, 18, 19 years old, you actually have a career you can immediately go into. Uh, they are just a special group of people that are doing some incredible work. Um, It's not like they fall under the funding you get at a lot of these other institutions. Um, They are making things happen. I mean, uh, the stuff that they're doing and and what they need, I have no problem volunteering my time to help out any way that I can. Woody's been over there. I'm going to go there and teach some classes. Um, You know, they're coordinating with with those that are first responders, combat medics. They're going over there and teaching, and, and these students are armed with the ability to go out and get work immediately and i just have so much respect for that because they're, they're teaching them a skill they're teaching them a job trait that they can actually go out and start earning money for their families not all these students come from you know incredibly wealthy families
0: uh, and not everybody's uh, going go to go, to, go, go to work
1: immediately graduate
0: not everybody's going to get a
1: four-year college right the, uh, uh and e- exactly so the, uh, and now they're able to hit the workforce and get started and they're able to do it and they have a skill set and they have a qualification that's unique and um, they can go out and get employment opportunities right away and start contributing you know helping out with their communities but more importantly helping out for their family yeah, yeah. Um, Just they do they're doing such incredible work and I love those ladies Uh keep doing what you're doing and we're going to help you as much as we can
0: absolutely and the other thing about it y'all think about it if I had started when I was 18 uh, um, which they can start in corrections you know and the you can retire when you when you're 38 uh, you know I mean we're, we're 20 years in but the uh they, they're just, they're doing a lot of a lot of great things but they're doing a lot of great things for the community and Crystal Harrison is mm-hmm. is a, a, a part of that but the southeastern th- does um classes there in the like conversational Spanish and, and, uh, local businesses are, are sending their employees to that so they, they can interact better with the Hispanic community and stuff like that. It's just so, it's just a great place and, 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 great people. Jim, let me say this real quick before you get the information on the donor. Uh, we have a lifer. Uh, I'm just going to give her first name. It's Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N. And I've been communicating with them since way back in. I'm looking at my messages now on Facebook. Uh, and I never talked about this before. But the, uh, anyway, Kristen has, has cystic fibrosis. And the her and her mom had to move to Durham, North Carolina. And they're from the LP, from Livingston Parish. And uh, she had to have a double lung transplant done at Duke. And, uh, they're from Denham Springs. Uh, they love the podcast and, and, you know, she said they, she spent many a sleepless night worrying about Kristen until she found our podcast. She said she goes to sleep every night listening to the show and it keeps her from dwelling on her night. Um, anyway, paraphrase it up. That, that was a long time ago, but we talked a lot and, and Kristen is actually the one, uh, um, who turned her mom onto it, right? And so I, I actually called and spoke with her, um, way back before Thanksgiving and talked with them on the phone and everything. And so Kristen is, is a real life example of organ donors. She would not be alive today had somebody not donated their, their lungs when they died. And, uh, so, but Kristen, you know, it's been a long battle and I've been in contact with them over the months, but just this week, her mama sent me I think, cause she heard us talk, Jim, you, you give them the information about LOPA and she said, you know, it just means everything that it's the gift of life. I mean, Kristen wouldn't be alive. Um, the, uh, they want to do something that, uh, you know, to help tell the story to get the organ donor, uh, donors, you know, to put the human face on. People hear us talking about it, but I guess unless you have a family member or something that is living because of it, I, I, I don't think that people really get it. Um, but Kristen is supposed to have one more surgery, Jim, on on the 10th of February, and they can finally come home. And they've been up there forever. I mean, like, wow. plus, plus. Amazing. a whole, whole big family from Livingston Parish went up there for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. And, you know, it's hard. People, but the, uh, it's just amazing. So whoever donated Christmas as long, God bless you. And, and I know you're in heaven and y'all let's get these people. Let, let's it's your last act of a good deed, right? That's it, man. And, 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 and you're not going to know it. I mean, they don't harvest it from you. If, if, you're, <laughs> if you're awake, I mean, you're already, you're gone. You're hooked up to the machine. Uh, uh, Matter of fact, I'm donating. You know, I'm a donor, Jim, and I'm not only going to donate no, organs know, if if they'll take old old man's organs, but the if not, I'm donating my body to, to science to the body farm and let them do something. Never
1: uh, <laughs> body I'm, I'm serious. I'm gonna let them, I'm you, gonna you go never them. you never know whose life you could save. You never know how you're gonna help out. I know for me, I'm an organ donor. If I'm already dead, there's nothing I can do about that. But you know what? You never know. It could be. If you're out there listening, it could be your family member, it could be your child, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, whoever is close to you. It could be my organ might go, or one of my organs might go to save your family member. And so, you know, if that's the last act of good deed that I could possibly do, even though I don't know it, I'm doing it. So well, go out there and become a donor.
0: It's not it's not the first one in the family I've been involved with. The um, the, the the other one. The, the young lady, um, it, it was a homicide and, and, but she lived, uh, you know, on, on the machines and she was brain dead, but all her organs went out. And, and I mean, including one of them too, that's a doctor, uh, uh, who saves lives every day now. And, and I mean, there's, there's people out there, y'all, out there are literally being kept alive on these machines and stuff. And they just need, uh, organs. I mean, it's the gift of life be a hero. So, Jim, if you'll give that right. get the information. Just can you give it one more time? You know I'm bad with information like that.
1: It's L-O-P-A dot org backslash L-T-C. You have two drop-down menus. If you're in-state of Louisiana, there's a drop-down menu for you, and you go ahead and make sure it's criminal justice students. And if you're out of state, there's a drop-down menu for you, and make sure you hit the criminal Justice students. This is all for the Livingston Parish Literacy and Technology Center. Right. Uh, amazing work! And Keep that up, everybody over and, there. And from, see, we love you.
0: And from what I understand, even if you already are an organ donor, you can still go do it, and, and, and it doesn't hurt mm-hmm. the numbers, uh, and it updates the you know, updates you in the system. Y'all, let's help these the, these young adults um, achieve their mm-hmm. goal. And, I mean, we got well over 13,000 just in our private crew page. You know, yesterday I went and did the uh, thing with Courtney's family, the protest in, 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 um, Alexandria. And we had 20 something thousand views, uh, yesterday evening on that. Right. I mean, if just, you know, a couple of y'all go out there and, and just take a couple of minutes and do it and save a life. All right. I'll get off the soapbox, but the, uh, Love and appreciate each and every
1: one of you so yeah actually I want to I want to change gears real quick because we have a huge following out if you're still listening to this out in Australia we have a wonderful following out in Australia We have some incredible lifers out there yep. but they are dealing with some terrible terrible brush fires going on a lot of their land, their homes uh, you know the animals just the place is on fire and it's sad. And they're going to need some help. So be paying attention to the to the Australians and what they've got going going on over there. Uh, I'm sure at some point or another they're going to need some help. Um, That's what we do as a world and a community. We help one another. Uh, There are some wonderful lifers that we have out there. Some of them have already been affected by these brush fires. You know, some of them haven't been affected just yet, and we're hoping that they don't. But keep them in your thoughts and in your prayers and just, you know, be be mindful of what's going on over yeah. there and pay attention because they may need some help. We yeah. love you all there in Australia. Um, yeah. We hope to be able to see you guys soon. But we're thinking of you. We're praying for you. Um, we have your backs 100%. Let us know what we can do.
0: Let me touch on it, Jim, and thanks for bringing it up. The Actually, two of our Dream Team moderators are from Australia also, but... That it's not just rush fire, that country, that whole, and Australia's a big country, that whole damn thing's burning almost. And it's the largest fires in the history of the world, uh, in a country. Now we love our Californians, and we know, uh, um, like we have hurricane season here. It, it, it I mean, it's sad. The, the, I've lost everything in 2016, uh, uh, in the flood, everything. And I know what it's like to show up and have nothing left and right so these fires burning down homes and stuff you'll never know what it's like until you go through it so we're not making light of the fires in california or colorado or anywhere else alaska but this shit in australia is bad i mean it's killing millions and not only the, uh, uh, burning down homes and stuff like that. But all the wildlife, I mean, it's, it's killing like whole species. Uh, uh, and it's I've never seen anything quite like it. And one of her lifers, uh, sent us a message they saying, Hey, can, can give a, uh, talk about it and, and, just bring some awareness to it. And, uh, she, and she lost everything and, and, uh, but she said, listen to real life, real crime. Makes her feel a little bit better, and takes her mind off of it for a little while. Uh, but hey, we love you. And Australia is our second largest country, only second to the United States for real life real crime and fan numbers. And we're in a whole bunch of countries. And the Australians love their true crime. Like I said, two of our dream team moderators are from there, from different parts of the country. And our prayers go out to y'all and, and we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. And, and, Hopefully, I mean, if you if listening to us, uh, shoot the breeze, uh, you know, for an hour or whatever, can take your mind off of it. And then that's the least that we can do. So, and you know what? And anybody else that's going through anything, whatever you may be, hey, we're praying for you too. Yeah, um, so, you there,
1: Jim? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So. so we thank you guys for everything. Thank you for all the love and support.
0: Yeah, Patron members, you're going to get your episode, uh, it's tomorrow Super Bowl Sunday. So we'll, we'll just put it out on Monday and then, um, your, your full link bonus episode. And that'll make like seven or eight that we have locked up. And so if y'all run out right. of episodes and you want more of us, then, uh, go join patrons. So, but, uh, all you fans, we love you. Uh, we love and appreciate each and every one of you thank you for liking and sharing us and leaving us the reviews on iTunes and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. Um, you're awesome. And Jim Raffin, I love you, brother. And, um, too bad. I appreciate it. And y'all until next time or ever, don't let us catch you down on murder by you. Peace. Peace.